Moss Holders knows when you sleep better, you feel better. So right now, all mattresses are on sale at Moss Holders Design Center. In stock or special order, every single mattress in every single size is discounted. Choose from a luxurious Beautyrest Black Hybrid, a Serta iComfort, or a Serta Perfect Sleeper. With 19 mattresses to choose from, Moss Holders has a mattress that will fit your back and your budget. Let Moss Holders help you feel better every day. That's Moss Holders Mattress Sale going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Join the team at D.A. Davidson for an exclusive evening of financial insight and investment excellence featuring James Reagan, D.A. Davidson's Director of Wealth Management Research, on Tuesday, February 13th at the Wild Theater. This is an opportunity for you to elevate your investment strategies. James will be unraveling the market outlook and investor best practices that can reshape your financial future. Cocktails and hors d'oeuvres at 4.30 and the presentation at 5.30. Come here, James Reagan, D.A. Davidson's Director of Wealth Management Research, on Tuesday, February 13th at the Wild Theater. D.A. Davidson, the strength of advice. Member FINRA SIPC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program. Brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. A bit of fog out there this morning. Make sure that uh, you know where you're going if you're going to traipse out there and hit the freeway it kind of breaks down a little bit to the east so there's not too much heading to the east you will drive out of it now according to the u.s forest service the bighorn national forest offers a breathtaking scenery a diversity of recreation experiences and nearly 192,000 acres of wilderness that's 300 square miles of wild country up there Each year, Sheridan Area Search and Rescue volunteers gear up in the head end of that wilderness to find and recover lost and injured recreationalists and hunters. This morning, I am joined by the Sheridan Area Search and Rescue. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Now, uh, real quick, let's just go around the studio and uh, tell me your name and just exactly what you do for Search and Rescue. Uh, My name is Bob Axmitt. Uh, I am the current president of the organization and, of course, uh, part of the team that helps people. And I'm Angela Molinax. I'm the current training officer with Sheridan Area Search and Rescue. I've been with the group about two years now. Uh, My name's Colin Fairman, and I'm treasurer with Sheridan Area Search and Rescue. All right. So we've got Angela, Colin, Uh and Bob. Bob, if you would do me a favor and hug up on that microphone. I can do that. There you are. Hey. Hey. Now, um, real quick, is Search and Rescue, our Search and Rescue team here, made up entirely of volunteers, Bob? Yes. uh, We're all all volunteers. Now, Angela, how many folks actually belong to the team in total right now? We currently have 31 active members in Search and Rescue. Now, is there a rank structure, Colin? There is a rank structure. It's based off of uh, officer positions, starting with Bob as president. Then we have vice president, treasurer, uh, secretary, uh, training officer. And then we have five board members. Four members. Yeah. (laughs) Total nine officers. So it's basically like a a civilian board 
as opposed to like a, a military rank system where you report to a captain or something like that. That's correct, yes. Now, what types of rescue situations are you trained to perform? Angela, this seems like it'd be a good question for you. <laughs> yeah, so we have to <clears throat> train across a wide variety of scenarios because we never know what we're going to encounter. We train for situations that involve searching for people that maybe wandered off, so learning how to track people. We respond to snowmobile situations. We have to have a team ready to go on snowmobiles. Uh, Four-wheelers, we have situations that we have to extract our own vehicles, so we have training for that. We also have training in technical rescues, so like ropes, um, climbing, swift water, things like that that require even more training. If we don't have the training needed, we can reach out to other organizations in the state and get those resources brought in. Bob, is there any type of rescue that you would say that the Sheridan Area Search and Rescue really specialize in? I mean, I know you you have a wide array that you have to train at, but is there anything that you would sit back and say, you know, they've got this more than others? Uh, That would be really hard to determine. Um, We do have, I think primarily our most active is, is missing person, you know, and that could involve snowmobile, a hunter, fisherman, just somebody just out. Yeah. And that's primarily our, our primary um, missions that we go out is the missing person or overdue person. On occasion, it's, hey, we're stuck. We can't get out. And we have, you know, as a search and rescue organization, have the resources to go in because they may be in danger being stuck there and no one else can get to them. Yeah. And, Bob, why did you join at the very beginning? Do you remember? I uh, actually, uh, yes. Um, I was at a point in my, I guess, life, um, that I had free time. Um, I always was interested in search and rescue, wanted to join. Um, but, uh, the year I joined, there was a few missions that were coming about. And at that time there were short, I actually had trouble getting people to help on a few searches. And I just, Hey, you know, I think it's time for me to join Yeah, and I just enjoy helping the community and, and the people out there. What do you, if you don't mind me asking, what are you doing in your civilian life? I'm actually an employee of Sharon School District 1. I'm a buildings and ground coordinator. Oh, wow. So, so you're, I mean, you are a public servant. Yes. Yeah. And, and as we, I think we all are, you know, the majority of us have jobs and, uh, and fortunately a lot of our employers are, are gracious to allow us to do this on our time. So Angela, what about you? What, uh, what inspired you to join? So I was actually inspired <clears throat> by a situation with a friend of mine that uh, they were lost. They were overdue. And I watched another crew in the state um, organize and go in and eventually find them. And it was something that I watched and I said, I want to be part of that one day. So when I had the time to commit, because there is a pretty big time commitment, I went ahead and applied and here I am. So you waited until you had yeah, a lot of time to give. I wanted to make sure that I could be fully present and able. I didn't want to have um, limited availability, I should say. Um, mainly mine was my kids. I wanted to wait until they were old enough that I could leave in the middle of the night and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a very difficult thing for them. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can certainly understand that. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about what about you, Colin? What inspired you to take this on? Uh, for me, one, I I just 
I like knowing that we're here to help somebody else out there. So like if I, my family was stuck on the mountain, I'd want somebody to go looking for them. So I try to just pass that down. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of my, my philosophy is just try to help other people. And also I just really, I mean, I, I was new to Sheridan when I first joined and I just wanted to learn more about the bighorns and a great way to do it is to do missions at night. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, Bob, how long have you been with them? I've been with the organization about 17, 17, 17 years. years. Wow. I bet a lot has changed in that amount of time. It has. It has. You know, but there's still the basics, but there have been a lot of changes and, and whatnot. So, yes. Now, would you, uh, reaching back 17 years, uh, did you, I don't know if the word is offer, that the types of rescues. Did we have the ability to rescue in the same way then that we do now, we talked about uh, you know fast water. We talked about rope rescue. We talked about motorized. Uh, you know, basically all those techniques were there. I think the only change is is the technology that we have now that we mm-hmm. didn't have then. Yeah, especially rope rescue. I would imagine it's uh, come a long way. There's some well, nice gadgets that have come about that made make some of that easier. I would say lighter. Um, getting it there uh, but you know the technique is a lot has changed a lot in the last just a few years on, yeah on, on rope rescues technical rope rescues now angela uh what about you how long ago did you make this commitment uh, about two years ago so about two years and you're the training officer what <laughs> uh what did you have to do to become the training officer so actually there was a vacancy uh, one of our other members had to resign and when she did, they needed someone to take it on. And because it does require a tra- uh, time commitment, uh, I said, okay, I'll do it. So I'm f- fulfilling the remainder of her um, her time. And then at that point, I'll decide whether I want to go for re-election or oh, just be a general yeah. member. It's, it's an, an election process. Yeah. 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 Wow. Is the, is the president an yes, election process? It is. It is. That's interesting. Yeah, it's all <laughs> every two years we were up. <laughs> A very, very uh, uh, democratic way of, of doing this, uh, which I would have thought automatically that it was more like a law enforcement military where it's like, you know, the individual with the most time in or the most experience would, would be appointed that. But you guys kind no, of decide no, that amongst yourselves. No, our, our team decides who their leaders are going to be and, and, and that what makes it work as a team. You know, it's, even though I have a designation as president, I don't feel I'm any more valuable than the person standing next to me. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, how, how long have you been with them? I, I've been with the team for 15 years. 15 years. Uh, wow. And I was going to echo what Bob was saying. I mean, just, just our equipment has improved over the last 15 years. The thing I noticed, I mean, when I first joined, we basically had two blazers and a gator, a six wheel gator. And since then we have really expanded our ATVs and our snowmobile reaches. And then our, our high angle team really has become quite skilled. I would say. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Now, those ATVs, those things are, I could only imagine, top dog useful when it comes to getting people up on the mountain right now. Yes. Uh, yes, you're you're spot on, right? I mean, we need the equipment and we don't want to use our own stuff because it gets damaged or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice that we have a, an equipped team. Back in the day, was there horses when you joined, Bob? Uh, not on our team. We had members that have horses, and even currently. You know, they, they're there. Um, and they're happy to saddle up and head if up. If they need be, yes. Um, like say, typically, if if it involves some horseback riding or whatnot, that um, we have community members that have come forward and say, hey, you know, what do you need? 
that type of stuff. They've packed stuff for us or just covered some country that by doing it on foot or, you know, it's vehicle unaccessible that they've gone out and, and covered some area just because it can move a little faster yeah. back and, and, and go farther, I guess. Now, real quick, Angela, uh, I know you've only been there two years, but uh, you've put a lot of time in, in, in those two years. When it comes to situations where we have to kind of send out a call, and, and this is something I didn't even cover later on in the show. When we have to call on the community, hey, we need some help. Do you guys ever do that, or is that kind of worst-case scenario? I would not say it's worst-case scenario. We have a whole list of resources in our community and other counties, other towns, that we know what resources and skill sets they have. Um, I'll use a very good example with a local organization here called Sled Wyo. Their snowmobile guide service, and they have helped us out a couple times on snowmobile searches, especially last year when we had a lot more snow and we had a lot more searches because people were out there stuck or not back on time, etc. So you really use the organizations that are up there on the mountain frequently. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, another key resource is we use other counties' teams, like Johnson County. We train with them quite a bit. We've responded to Bighorn County and Washington County and Park County before. We also go into Montana a little bit and help out there. <laughs> and they and they return that favor. They come yeah, down here. Exactly. Should when, we need their services. Yeah, that's that's I mean, fantastic. When we have a large mission, it's all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. the the teamwork is something that I really like. Uh, that way, you don't have to uh, lean and. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm disregarding the community, but you don't have to lean on the community. You can call in trained professionals from other counties, probably more than one if you need it, right, Bob? Yes. So you could get Park County, Washington yeah. County, they'd gladly send some folks. Yeah, and not only that, um, the Forest Service has been uh, readily to help us out, you know, if need be, or because they're typically, if it's a, a forest issue, they're they're up there, Game and Fish, uh, our local law enforcement. Um They've all have responded to situations where, hey, we're here, we can help you out, and, and just help cover some area. Trained folks yep. who know the mountain. We've yep. also relied on the National Guard quite a bit, too, yep. with their helicopter assets. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. All right, on that, i got to take a quick commercial break. We're going to have more with our Sheridan area search and rescue right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse, Sun 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. A new year means new adventures. Make this year the start of your homeownership adventure with First Federal Bank and Trust. Our local team will guide you through the home loan process from start to finish. Explore our online tools 24-7 from customizable financial calculators to daily mortgage rates. Call us or stop by our home loan center to get pre-qualified or apply online today at efirstfederal.bank. At First Federal Bank and Trust, we're making home happen in Sheridan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Outer River Angus will be offering 120 pap-tested yearling Angus bulls for sale Friday, February 9th at Buffalo Livestock Marketing in Buffalo, Wyoming. Sale starts at 1 with lunch at 11 o'clock. Come take a look at 30 years of Angus genetics geared where corn don't grow. Visit PowderRiverAngus.com for more information. If you like-
like the music of the pop rock group Chicago, you won't want to miss Brass Transit, Friday, February 9th at Sheridan's Y.O. Theater. Award-winning musicians of Brass Transit dazzle audiences with their flawless performances and spectacular attention to every detail of the beloved Chicago songbook and will transport you back to some of the most memorable times of your life. Transit, Friday, February 9th. Get your tickets today at the Y.O. Theater box office or online at yotheater.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning we are honored to be sitting with the Sheridan Area Search and Rescue. I have got Bob, Angela, and Colin here now, every year, recreationalists take advantage of the Bighorn Mountains. It is a beautiful forest, but accidents happen. Sometimes people become lost or too injured to recover themselves. I understand it's very sporadic. You never know when a mission's coming down the pipe, Bob. How often is this team deployed if you were to sit back and say average? You know, it varies... On circumstances, weather, um, season. Uh, typically, this time of year, we might start getting a few more calls for um, missing snowmobilers or, or mm-hmm. overdue snowmobilers. With this, on that note, um, with the weather the way it is, we also get missing motorists ah. that think, "Hey, we can go up red grade, um, get stuck," you know, or "Hey." I haven't seen him in for a ride somewhere. We just haven't seen them. And we just start our mission, like, hey, where do they typically go type of stuff. But yeah. it, it, it varies. Um, then it'll kind of spring. It'll kind of vary off. And then when the outdoor activities start pick up, we might pick up a, an occasional, you know, overdue hiker or something, you know, come around March, April, May. And then through the summer, it, it's likewise. You know, you get the occasional fisherman that may be injured or ATV at that point. Um, went out, rolled a machine, or did something that we need to uh, um, go assist, or, or you know, we do assist other agencies. You know, if hey, for instance, we get a call that they have an ATV wreck, we need to extract extract it from a non-road area. We will assist the local EMTs or, or you know fire departments on on bringing that person out. So really, I there is, I guess, I could say a busy season or busy season season in a way. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, when we look at individuals joining the organization, Angela, what are some of the recruiting techniques that you guys have liked to use in the past to encourage folks to join this team? So in the past, our recruiting has actually been fairly organic. You know someone that you think would be a great candidate. You reach out to them. You say, hey, you should apply. We think you'd be great. Um, then you occasionally get those people that just search us out and say, hey, I've been in search and rescue in this other place or I want to join, and then they seek us out. We are trying this year to be a little more proactive in our recruiting, so going out and advertising and putting on our website and our Facebook page, other social media, 
um, so people are aware we're recruiting because we might be missing a lot of people that we don't know through other members that might be really great volunteers yeah. for search and rescue. But they're not talking about it. So you would never know that this individual had either done this over here or otherwise. And, and they might not know, hey, they've got a slot open and they need some folks up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it one of those situations, Colin, uh, you've been here 15 years. Is it one of those situations where we could always use more help? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's no limit on how big our team can be. But, I mean, there is kind of a, a cadre of us that are the most active and we train the most. And so it's always it's always awesome to get fresh blood and fresh ideas. And, and there's people coming into the community all the time who have different skill sets that some of us don't have. So, And, again, it because of the, the, I guess you could say, the ranking system, the way that you guys operate, outside of, like, a militaristic or a law enforcement type of rank, this is really the community coming together to form their own search and rescue, isn't it? Yes, I would I would say that. Yes. Yeah. Do, even though you guys are consummate professionals, 15 years, 17 years, training officer and two, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. You guys know what you're doing, but you're still basically shared and area community members seeking each other out, going out there to find each other and help one another. All right. Now, uh, are there any prereqs to joining? If if someone out there is listening right now and they're thinking, okay, I think this is something that I would like to do. Angela, is is there anything I need before walking through that door? As far as skill sets, no. I think it's a willingness to learn, a willingness to be present and take that time because we do train monthly and being willing to make that commitment. Um yeah, willingness, prerequisite. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes just uh, being eager and available is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can, I've can i spoken with a lot of law enforcement, a lot of military in my time. And one thing, uh, not, to, not to, you know, devalue anyone who has served in the past in other areas, but a lot of those law enforcement and military like to get individuals who've never been trained in any other way because they can sit back and say you're going to know our way and our way is how we operate colin what, what do you think about that um i i i love having new ideas i think having a, a fresh approach and having people from all all over bring ideas to our group is a really just an awesome approach i mean i i think that there is no one way to train and if somebody comes in with a better idea or a different idea i think it's i think it's fantastic that way, you know, like you use the word organic, um, it organically develops into a better organization. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob, if I were to join today, what would my initial training look like if I came in with zero? It would initially start out with uh, just some, I want to call it uh, orientation type training, you know, coming in, learning our facilities, learning the technique of conducting a search, uh, making sure you have the equipment needed to go on a search. Um, primarily that, you know, it's it's learning the ropes and and getting a feel of that, you know, as a member. It's been a while getting a feeling of that new member and making sure, you know, they won't be a problem in the field. I, I'm yeah. not sure it how happens. They, it yes. happens. Yeah. So, so we just need to make sure that person coming is trained in the techniques to fulfill their obligations in the field. So there's not 
issues on that part. Building off of what Bob had said, Angela, I mean, um, I mean, we're going up there ourselves. I mean, maybe it's one of those situations where everybody just says, well, they're trained. They know what they're doing and they don't even think about it. But sometimes you got to self-recover. Accidents can happen to our own team members as well, correct? Correct. Yeah, we do train on how to recover our own vehicles, and we make sure that when we go out there, we have a pack that's required of us to carry that has enough supplies and materials to last us a minimum of 24 hours because we want to make sure that if we are up there, we can take care of ourselves and someone else not create another situation that needs help. Again, another great reason to ask fellow search and rescues from other counties and areas to help out because they're trained. Uh, If we had volunteer members up there, again, not devaluing anyone in the community, but it's a higher risk to get a bunch of regular citizens up there doing any searching. I mean, we could end up with two problems. Colin, when, when we sit back and we think about that initial training, what... Since you've been there 15 years, what's the contrast look like to you? I mean, is is it they're getting a lot more training initially now than you did back well, in the day? We've, we've kind of had a, a prerequisite. I mean, we, we do try to build ourselves to the national search and rescue standards. So we do like all of our team members to be at least a SAR search and rescue technician, tech two trained. We also like them being trained in... Uh, managing the lost person incident MLPI, which is now called what? What is? It's got a new name. Uh, put me on the spot. <laughs> no, I don't sorry. remember. <laughs> but, any, but we do have prerequisites. We do like people uh, doing some initial national standard training. We also require, uh, you know, wilderness first aid. We yeah. require CPR. So, in that sense, that's been the standard since I've been with the group. I mean, we've always tried to keep a level of, of certifications under us. And then, uh, on top of it, I mean, yeah, we. We have branched out with some of uh, experts in the field, like our high angle team has, you know, reached out to other groups from all over, and we we've improved. I would say. <laughs> now, Angela, are there certain um, certifications <laughs> that I can achieve? Say, like with high rope rescue uh, and things like that. Yeah, so high angle ropes, technical rescue, there are certification courses you can take. They're typically several days long. We're hosting one in May, for example, that's a rope operator course. Uh, We'll bring in a trainer from elsewhere in the state who will come and do a four-day course with us on rope operations and how how to set up rope systems. But that's kind of the introductory level above that. You get into rope technicians and higher level training. Um... But rope rescue is a very technical thing. It requires a lot of training, a lot of practice. So that's something we do try and keep up our training on. And and I can attest to that. I took the course in Rock Springs, and it it, it lasted, I can't remember, a couple weeks. I mean, we were having to go in there. And then after you learn the classroom stuff, now it's application. And you think, you know, it just looks like chaos with all that stuff dangling off the belts of these rope rescues, but every single little thing serves a purpose, doesn't it, Bob? Yes, it does. And there again, I mentioned that the techniques have changed tremendously in the last few years where a lot of that equipment has multi-functions now. Mm. Instead of having specific items to do a specific job, now we're getting equipment that will do multiple tasks and allows us to, I would say carry more gear, 
with or less, you know, do more functions in the field without having as much to haul in. Yeah. And that's part of the issue with these back uh, country rescues. Technical ropes are typically not along the rope. Yes, they can be, but a lot of, especially now the, uh, the, I call the recreational aspect of rock climbing or, or whatever they do. They're finding these nice little nooks and holes that they can go challenge themselves on. So yeah, you just can't drive up to them. So if they get rim rocked on something or fall, we've got to get that gear there to get them out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can imagine that, <laughs> that is pretty challenging at times. Yes. Now, um, Oh, Colin. Oh, I was going to, I mean, jump in and just say, I mean, another side of it is also just using the rope rescue at different scenarios at night in the snow. Or we've also, last month we did a cave training where we did rope rescue inside the cave just to practice working in complete pitch black. I mean, it's it's a different world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in a, in a lot of emergency situations, it's not happening at noon on a 65 degree day. It is it is the worst situation that you can possibly want, and you got to go in there and get someone out. Uh, some with the, also with rope rescue, it technically doesn't have to be a cliff. It could be just running a long line for people to have. Um, if we're hauling a person up that's injured, you know, there's something to hold on to or lowering a team down. Uh, it it becomes a, a safety fall issue just so people aren't slipping and falling. We will rig for that as well. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of just. You know, it involves more than just, hey, we're going to go rescue someone off a cliff. It could be just everyday missions like, hey, we got a bunch of gear and we need to haul down. Let's let's throw it on this and we'll, we'll uh, belay it down with our ropes and, and keep people from getting injured that way. Uh, a little bit more than just sitting around tying knots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's there's a lot to it. Um, Angela, this is kind of something that I'm going to drift off into. It's not something that I, I even prepared myself for, but I just got to thinking about it. Those situations, you know, uh, you get someone who's fallen. They've been down there for a couple hours. You've managed to finally get down to them. Traumatic. Extremely mentally traumatic. Emotionally traumatic. What do our search and rescue uh, members, I mean, I'm not going to say train, but what do we go over when it comes to comforting our, our recovery? So we try and be very understanding. We try and approach it. We aren't going to put blame on you. We're going to sit there and we're going to say, I understand this is really hard, but we're going to get you out of here. We're going to keep you safe. Um, just reassurance that they're in good hands and we're going to get whatever resources we need, whether that's a helicopter or EMS or whatever, whatever help they need that we're going to, uh, we're going to get that for them. I mean, Colin, I imagine in 15 years you, you've had to have seen the relief on someone's face when they see you and their angel is walking out <laughs> or, or coming down the line, you know, sitting there with, with someone who's been injured for hours thinking that they might not make it out of there that day. What's that like? Um, it is. I mean, it, there's obviously there's gratification in it, but it's also just it is fun to see somebody who you know, is having a really bad day and then you show up and you can try to make it a little better for them. <laughs> yeah. Even totally. something as yeah. simple as just walking in the forest. Just finding somebody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or, or, I mean, you know, worst case scenario, it's somebody's kid and then we're going to look for their child. And uh. then you get the, the mother who, or father who are just so excited that, you know, yeah. we show up and we have it and we're there to respond. And I just felt out. that in my chest. That, yeah. yeah. That one, that one hits kind of hard. Now, uh, let me check my time. Let's do this without saying any names, Bob. Uh, 
Can you tell me about a mission that sticks out in your mind in years past? There are so many. Um, you could pull that mic just a little closer. Oh, that's, to yeah, you yeah there are so many. Um, I, I couldn't even go into detail. Um, we, we've had instances where we've had traumatic circumstances during a search um, involving members and, and search members that seeing the team come together to help resolve that um, on certain, certain, we call them recoveries, seeing the relief, even though it's traumatic, but seeing the involvement of families and, and members to take care of the situation, recover that person, and seeing the care and, and, and I guess, loving that, that people go through in situations like that. Yeah. You know, it's, you you, you can't explain it. Yeah. It's one of those situations you got to be there. Is, yeah. I mean, it really tugs away at you. But it's the whole reason why you do this, isn't yes. it, Angela? Yes, absolutely. I think all of us come in wanting to help other people. And sometimes it's help that they can appreciate. And sometimes it's help that is just difficult emotionally, physically, mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, would you say that this team has got a lot of camaraderie? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a, we're, we, I mean, we get new people all the time, but we, we do operate really well as a team. I would say, I mean, we've, we've all been in situations where we've had to rely on each other and it's been physically exhausting and, we, we come out of it. I mean, one of the, the key things that we do for our mental health is do the debrief after the missions and try to improve our missions on reflecting on what went well and what didn't work so well. Like an after-action yeah, review. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. an act, after-action review. And, and that's a great cathartic release, too, of just like, wow, that, that was not fun. And, but this is what we did, and we got them out. So <laughs> there we go. I can only imagine, you know, being up there for hours, cold, wet, feeling terrible, but you put yourself in the situation of the individual that you're saving or that you're searching for, you know, they're colder, they're more wet. It's time to go find them. You know, if I'm feeling this bad, I could only imagine what that person's feeling. And so, uh, yeah, being human, that's the drive behind our shared and area search and rescue. And I'm going to have more with them right after this. You're listening to public pulse on nine 30 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. February is the month of love because when it comes to love, every moment is a gem. Legacy Diamond and Gems invites you to celebrate your timeless bond. Shop their exquisite collection of diamonds and gems, each telling a unique story. You'll find the perfect gift that fits your budget and expresses your love. Legacy Diamond and Gems crafting timeless memories. 
Visit today and let your love shine brighter than ever at 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. Wake up and smell the coffee lovers. McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo and Gillette are bringing back the McCafe menu magic. Delightful espresso drinks and coffees. Whether you crave the warmth of a hot cappuccino or caramel cappuccino, mochas, lattes, iced coffees and more, you can order your McCafe coffee right from the McDonald's app using mobile order and pay for a quick pickup. Your mornings just got a whole lot better with McDonald's McCafe because, hey, good day start with a great cup of coffee. It's back. So I called my landlord and I said, hey, I got a leak in my sink. He said, go ahead. I'm not judging. Well, the same goes for you fixing up or tuning your own 4x4, side-by-side, or snow machine. Because you won't do it. And if you do do it, you'll do it wrong. Hendo Service Center, then fixing, tuning up, and selling these machines in Sheridan for decades. No one else around here can come anywhere close to that. Call them. Get that machine back to being fit. Hendo Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. This public service announcement sponsored by Pilch Engineering, providing geological engineering services to Wyoming. Hello, Sheridan County. My name is McKenna Mowry, and our We the People team recently won its 11th state championship in school history. We will represent Wyoming at the national finals in Washington, D.C. in April. Now, we need your financial help. To sponsor our team, send your gift of support to Sheridan High School CEO, We the People team. Please make your check out to the SHS Booster Club. On the check memo line, please indicate your donation to We the People. Thank you and go Bronx. If you're looking for a little extra sports coverage in life, you should check out the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast hosted by me, James Timberlake. Every week we break down some of the biggest stories in the sports world as well as some other topics along the way. And we'll maybe talk about something random like how mind-blowing the invention of shoelaces must have been when they first came out. Who knows? For all of your sports jargon and maybe a little extra, check out the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast posted every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts or on sharedamedia.com presented by Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate and Alpine Climate Control. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, I'm speaking with the Sheridan Area Search and Rescue. Uh, With me, I've got Bob, Angela, and Colin. These are the smiling faces you want to see should you become lost or injured in the Bighorn Mountains or anywhere. Because uh, if someone else needs a hand, we gladly head over and help our uh, mates over there in the other counties. When I am preparing to head into the mountain myself, there's a certain... We call it, we used to call it a Ron bag, rest overnight, and it's got 24 hours worth of stuff. And I, I've kept that since my days coming home from the sandbox. I've got the same Ron gear. I've got that same wet weather gear and, and cold weather gear. Uh, unfortunately, if I were to look, it's probably the same dang granola bars. I should probably change those up. But uh, if, if I was going to head up to the mountain today, what are some hints tips that I should do, some precautions that I should take now to help save myself a heartache in the future. Bob, I'll start with you. Somebody know where you're going. That that takes care of about 90% of the issues If and, and when you intend to be back. Um, you know, of course, you mentioned your, your, your pack that you take up or gear. If you're even going for a ride, it's not a bad idea to have a few bottles of water with you, some food, you know, maybe a blanket or, or something. Just 
take care of. You know, we've run into situations where people weren't prepared and, and were shredding their vehicle for warm gear. Yeah. Blankets, you know, they're taking the seat covers off, the foam out to try to insulate themselves from the cold. Um, and and also to know where you're going, you know, what's available there. We've had members, you know, people have been stuck on the mountain, be a quarter mile from a warming hut of a snowmobile thing. Wow. And did not know it was there. Wow. So, oh, so it's just knowing your areas, what's available there. Is there cabins? Is there uh, your, where, you know, ironically, there are a few areas through the Bighorns that you can get cell service, even though you're 30 miles in. No, learning those spots, uh, having your cell phone on, and, and if you get a message, remember that area. You know, every once in a while, get ping or it vibrates. Like, where was that? You know, it might save you 10 or 15 miles of travel to get another service location. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's – but, I mean, it's something as simple as just writing a, a note. Yeah. Hey, heading up here, yeah. going to be up this canyon, should be back around. Leave that on your kitchen counter and walk away. Yeah, or even in your vehicle. Leave it on the dash. Hey, there's been a vehicle sitting here for three days. You know, and on the note, it says, left this, intend to be back. So we look through the window, and, oh, boom, hey, this guy's missing. He's going to plan on taking trail 113 somewhere and and haven't seen him. Angela, when we get that notification, whether it be from law enforcement or family, hey, he went up there. He was supposed to be back yesterday. He's not back. We have no idea where he's at. What is that like? I mean, when you look at the haystack, what's that feeling like? It's very overwhelming initially, um, especially if you have no idea where they are. So our first goal at that point is then to talk to anyone we can that might have seen them, check the lodges up on the mountain, see if anyone's seen a vehicle that's unattended. Um, and then from there, we can, if you locate a vehicle, you can search around that vehicle to see if there's any evidence of them um, in that area. But no, if you don't have a location... It's extremely difficult to find you, almost impossible. We were talking about a hundred and some thousand acres on the mountain in your one little person. And if we don't know where you are, you could be up there for the rest of your life. And, and I'm, we think about, you know, a lot of really experienced people on that mountain have gotten lost too. Um, I'm, I got just a quick little uh, uh, sidebar. I was walking in a forest that I grew up in over in Star Valley. It started to snow on me, turned around, looked back, and snow changes a landscape, the likes of which I never had experienced before, just a snowstorm. And this is an area I I knew. But when I looked back, I had no idea which way to go, which way had I come from. I mean, I managed to get out, but I'll never forget that initial fear. Where it's like, holy cow, I'm legitimately lost. Colin, when you're up there and and we're looking at these different locations, Bob was talking about warming huts, things like that, that are actually in those mountains. Uh, How frequent are those uh, around, to your knowledge? Uh, Well, they're they're definitely based off of like the snowmobiling trails. I mean, they, they, they build them around so they can be useful. But if you're in the Cloud Peak Wilderness, they're... They're not there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just uh, memorizing your topography and just looking for things that, you know, I mean, in in the bighorns, I mean, the general rule of thumb is if you walk east-west, you're more likely to hit a road than if you go north-south. Now, 
Oh, go ahead, Angela. I just wanted to comment, though, that we're talking a lot about searching for lost people. We actually get a lot of people that are injured, and that's why everyone should be prepared. You might know, like Bob here, the entire mountain upside down and sideways night and day, but if you go out there and you turn an ankle and you can't get back out and you don't have the supplies because you were only going to be out there for five hours, you're in a bad situation. Um, having a GPS locator or a cell phone, if their cell phone service can help, you press that SOS button. It goes to our sheriff's office eventually and then to us. We're always dispatched out from the sheriff's office. So don't call us directly. Call 911. <laughs> call the sheriff's office. Press your spot and we'll get out there for you. Now. Colin. I, I was going to say, I mean, we keep focusing on the mountain, but it's not. I mean, we have had missions out in the Powder River Basin, too. I mean, it's definitely we go east of here, too. And yeah. Sometimes those can actually be the more complicated ones because they're more roads and more area to search and more more places for people to get stuck in. Rolling hills and prairie. Yeah. You wouldn't think. I mean, they sometimes have better cell service, but I can definitely think of a few missions where we're just like, we have no idea. They, they said they're going to Gillette and they're taking the back roads. So where are they? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up because we do automatically think, you know, head up the mountain search and rescue. But there's a wide state out there. There's a lot of area from here to Gillette. And a lot of those back roads that you're talking about, and you can get turned around out there just as fast as anything else. Or, as Angela was saying, jump out of the car just to check something out, twist an ankle, fall down in a ditch. And there you go. All right, so if I am listening to this show and I think, you know what, that's something I want to do, what do I need to do, Bob? Well, for one, um, if you need to reach out to us, we have a website, um, I, I apologize. It is uh, uh, uh that you could look at and, and contact us through that. Um, there again, we are under the authority of the Sheriff's Office, even though we're a nonprofit volunteer organization. All searches go out to the Sheriff's Office. You can reach out to, to them directly, and they can get them in contact with us. Angela, what's something... Uh, some basic things I need to remember if I do get out there and it snows on me and I turn around and I don't know which way is which and I can't get that cell phone to work. What would you do? So honestly, you need to check the weather forecast first. But if you get out there and a squall comes up and you don't know, I would just say stay put. If you have a tree within a short distance of you that you can set up a little shelter at that hopefully you're prepared and brought something to build a shelter with, a tarp or something, you can set that up. But I wouldn't recommend just starting walking in the middle of a storm where you don't know where you're going. You could go in 180 degrees from where you're supposed to go and get even more lost. We, we teach children to hug a tree. So if the kid is lost and they don't know where they are, we just say stop and hug a tree because it's a whole lot easier to find you if you're not moving than if you are moving. Colin, when you go up there, what what are just some of the basic items that you like to make sure are in your pack before you hit the mountain? I mean, for me, I mean, my, my go-tos are I like having a water filter so I can always have water with me. I like having a fusee because when all hope is lost, you can always build a fire with a fusee. And I, I mean, I shelter. I mean, I always carry a tarp or something with me, just to because those are your your primaries. You can live a while without food, but I mean, I carry food, but just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, those old granola bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should probably replace those. Those are probably getting pretty bad. Now, 
what if I become injured and unable to self-recover? What are some of the things I can do to increase my chances of survival, Colin? Uh, just, I mean, the, the key to survival is thinking that you're going to survive. Having a, a, a mental outlook of this, I will get through this. Is that's, I mean, that's the primary thing to surviving. Is if you give up hope, then you're going to. It's not going to work out. But if you just stay put and you think you're going to survive, and you start doing some self care, we'll we'll come and get you. Now, I've only got about three minutes left, Angela. Uh, I, I think we've 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 tried to touch on just exactly how to volunteer. We've touched on what are some of the initial trainings that I'm going to receive upon volunteering. How many individuals would you love to see walk through that door uh, the next meeting? Honestly, we are happy with whatever we can get. As far as our current members, you know, life, family, work always comes first. So if we get all 31 of our members, it's a great day. Um, but as far as new members, we will take, you know, we'll interview, we'll go through that process. But if you're a good candidate, we don't have a maximum number of members we can have. And everyone is going to be available at different times of day or night, mostly night <laughs> for these missions. And so your work and family comes first. So if you have 31 members, you might only get five that can go out. And so the more members we have, the more likely it is that we're going to have a good team to put out for any scenario. That's an, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, that way of looking at it. Look, I'm looking at a pool of individuals. All 35 members are not going to be out there on the mountain at one given Correct. time. Uh, that's why we want as many as possible. So on, on that note, uh, we really don't want all our members to show up at one time because after eight to 10 hours, we're going to be tired. We need yeah. that reserve to come in and continue, especially on the longer missions. So, so we do need that, um, ver, um, you know, Absolutely. Ver, ver, membership type stuff. That way we can trade out. Okay. Right. We got this grid checked. We got that grid checked team two, three, four. They just showed up. They're going to take over, uh, where we left off. All right. Now one, one more, one more time, uh, Angela, sorry, he, <laughs> Angela, give me the, the website and, and how to volunteer. So website is Sheridan area search and rescue.org. You can go on there and reach out to us and we can send you an application. And we are currently actively recruiting through March 15th. So check it out. Bob, Angela, Colin, I want to thank you uh, for everything that you do, uh, for the years of dedicated service to being the angels that go up and uh, help us get out of there when we can't get out of there ourselves. And I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be here with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse Sun 930 KROE and 103.9 FM Sheridan. ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders. We pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. 
Hi, this is Brad with Prime Rate Motors, where we are interested in paying cash for your vehicle, camper, or trailers. With the overwhelming demand right now, Prime Rate Motors wants to not only work with you to get you a fair price for your vehicle, we want to restock our lot with some local-owned units. Payments too high, we also do down trades. Stop out to Prime Rate Motors and let us evaluate your vehicle. Discuss what works for you and then make the deal happen. Prime Rate Motors and Super Trailer Store. See us online at primeratemotors.com. Life in Sheridan is dynamic. Between work, family, and the great outdoors, schedules can get hectic. At Sheridan Memorial Hospital's primary care, we're making your health care more convenient. You can confirm, reschedule, cancel, or ask questions about your appointment with a quick text. No time to call? Simply send us a text and we'll promptly get back to you. It's healthcare made easy, just the way you like it. Primary Care, caring for you and your family. Located in downtown Sheridan and online at SheridanPrimaryCare.com. Sheridan Funeral Home and Cremations, a compassionate professional service for the Sheridan community. At Sheridan Funeral Home, we respect all faiths, creeds, and customs. We take great pride in our compassionate professional service. We promise to take care of you and your loved ones with respect and dignity, just as if we were taking care of our own. It is a privilege to be able to serve you when you need us. Visit SheridanFuneral.com. Sheridan Funeral Home and Cremations, compassionate service for the Sheridan community. Moss Holders wants you to enjoy your mornings again. So through this Saturday, all mattresses are on sale. Once you've found your favorite Beautyrest or Serta mattress, take advantage of special bonus buys and receive extra savings on all sheet sets, brand new pillows, and all adjustable foundations. With 19 mattresses to choose from, you're sure to find the one that fits you best. In stock or special order, Moss Holders has the options to help improve your sleep and make your mornings more enjoyable. That's Moss Holders Mattress Sale going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. The following message presented by First Federal Bank and Trust, Sheridan's only mutual bank. Visit efirstfederal.bank. This is Jeff from Sheridan Fire Rescue, reminding you of the importance of having working smoke detectors in your home. Remember that if your smoke detectors are over 10 years old, they should be replaced. Also, remember to change the batteries in your smoke detectors every six months. If you need smoke detectors, you can call Sheridan Fire Rescue at 307 67 